On today's program, we've got to go up the mountain one more time in order to receive the abundance of rain, in order to receive the multitudes that God has placed on us. We have got to go into Madisonville one more time. All of that and more next on Today's Truth. ready to hear the word. Amen. I want to say this. I appreciate uh, Sister Lana. Amen. I guess she's going first. and You never know. You, you might not even get to preach tonight. Come on up here, honey. Praise Lord. We appreciate this young lady. Amen. Come on. Give her and the Lord one more hand. Praise the Lord, everybody. You have to bear with me as I get my scripture ready. Um, I just want to say that I'm thankful for everything that God is doing for my husband and I and for where he's brought me from. It's been a long road. A little backstory of myself, um, you know, being a evangelist daughter. You feel like you're always going to be protected underneath mom and daddy. But that's not always the case. You feel like that you're always going to be protected by God. And sometimes it feels like that's not always the case. At five years old, I was molested. I always carried that with me up until after I got married that it was my fault. It was something that I'd done wrong. But that is not the case. You have to learn a lot of self-forgiveness. But... um I've never done this before, so I'm a little nervous, um, which leads me to believe that I really know that this was God because I woke up and uh, God laid this thought on my mind and gave me the scripture to go with it, so it has to be God. Uh, it's Luke 15 and verse 25. It says, talking about uh, the prodigal son and whenever he came home. It says, Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fattest calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. My thought is this. The forgotten child syndrome. You see this? This one was left in the field to work and to keep things going. 
And to the point that he felt like he was completely forgotten, that his dad was so worried about the one who had went away that he's like, what about me? What, what about, am I mean, do I mean anything to you? It says, someone tonight has forgotten whose child you are. You have forgotten that you are a warrior in the army of the Lord. Some of you have been in the field so long that now you feel like you are working just because it is what you have always done. And you have forgotten your own purpose. You have forgotten that what you do matters. You have forgotten that you matter. You have adapted and accepted a syndrome of the forgotten child. I would like to give you some definitions related to the feeling of forgotten. If you have felt or feel any of these, then this is for you. Number one, abandonment, deserted, desolate, disused, forsaken, rejected, void, ignored, neglected, discarded, waste, empty, vacant, lost, never thought of, bypassed, or overlooked. I'm sure that we have all felt some of these. I know I have. <laughs> a little funny story. My brother and I was among the church's druggies. We were drugged from church to church and from prayer meeting to prayer meeting. And somewhere along the way, we found ourselves falling victim to the forgotten child syndrome. You know, while in Montana, I felt completely alone and forgotten. And then... Um, but as I stand before you today as a witness that you are the opposite of the lies the devil is telling you in those de depressive words. And I want to speak life in you. I stand before you and I want to remind you of the scripture that tells us to think of these things that are good and not of evil. The Bible also says that as a man thinks, so is he. If you're always telling yourself negative, if you're always putting yourself down, if you are always in the mirror saying how disgusting you are and how unworthy you are, then that is what you will become. As a teacher gives homework to her students, to better them and elevate them, I feel like that God wants me to give you a little homework. If you're going to break this forgotten child syndrome, we have to get a fight back in ourselves that says, I am a warrior. We have to put on the mind of Christ and whatever the devil is telling you, you have to know of a surety that it is and it will always be a lie. And tell yourself that what your father thinks of you. Tell yourself, I am cherished. I am valuable. I am valued. I am appreciated and needed. I am somebody. I am fulfilled and I am redeemed. I'm rescued and restored. I think I am the king's child. I am not a castaway. I am protected in this army and I am a warrior. I refuse to let my mind be the garbage can of the enemy. I refuse to be kept in jail with my own mistruth and misunderstandings. I refuse to let what happened to me in my past still speak lies to me and hinder me in my future. I am a warrior. I refuse to let my emotions rule my actions. I refuse to stay a prisoner of the forgotten Forgotten child syndrome. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Can we just stand to our feet for a brief moment and give the Lord a hand clap of praise?
Come on, I think we can do a little bit better than that. I don't know about you, but the Lord is in this house tonight. Come on, how many of us can say that we felt forgotten, but we're not forgotten no more? That in itself speaks to me. Being in this for over 20 some years, being a pastor's son for the last 13, I feel that. There's many times that the saints don't realize that uh, the children of the pastor take a beating no different than the pastor. And they're always to be held at a higher standard than the congregation when realizing they're no different than you sitting in the pew. We're all human. We're all subject to human error. The life of a minister is not glitz and glamour. It's hard, but it's rewarding. And the rewarding part is when you see someone come to Christ. You can't have a good church if you don't see someone saved. The point of the church is not to have the most people, not to have the biggest congregation, the best singers, but a church that sees people baptized. A church that says every Sunday we're going to see someone at the altar. That says every week we're going to see someone baptized in Jesus' name. Filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is a powerful church. It is not in numbers or multitudes. It's in the presence of the Holy Ghost. It's what we felt. And I feel behind the secret desk now. I feel like God is fixing to do something. The last message I preached, I, 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 it was hard. And Brother Tyler come to me before church, and he said, I need, to, I need to know what you're going to do. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was like, I don't know what, I know what I feel. I said, but I feel the Lord's going to change it. And I sat over there, and Pastor got up and started reading. And I was like, okay, Lord, we're going to go with this. If you got your Bibles with you, turn to 1 Kings 18. And beginning at verse 30, we already know what this deals with, but I'm going to need some help tonight because I'm going to do a little illustration because there's somebody 
that needs to see something that you've not seen in a long time. You don't understand it. You can't feel it, but you're going through the motion. But God is fixing to open your eyes and bring clarity tonight in this house. And it says in verse 30, And Elijah said unto all the, all the people, Come near unto me. All the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken. I feel tonight that over the last couple weeks that we have been rebuilding an altar. Not an altar of the past, but an altar of the future. We can't dwell on the altars of yesteryear, but we've got to rebuild the altar of the former things because the former things are past. And in this scripture, if you understand, it says that these people, they built an altar their way to their God. Go to the next verse. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. And unto whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And as he made a trench about the altar, as, a great, as great as wood contained two measures of seed. And he put the wood in under and cut the bullock into pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. And he said it, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. It's time that we want to see something. We can't stop just coming to the altar a first time. We can't stop coming a second time. We can't stop coming a third time. Go to the next scripture. And the hand of the Lord was upon me. And That's Ezekiel. Verse 35, I got notes here. And the water ran about the altar and filled the trench also with water. Why? Because he wanted to make it impossible. He wanted to show them that your God you wasted so much time serving. The God of the world. But let me tell you something. We're about to show you the God of the heavens. And verse 36 and it came to pass at that time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. This is where it gets good. And Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had to make the declaration and he had to declare because the altar was built by the 12 tribes of Judah. He had to clarify, I'm not just building an altar of Baal, but I am building an altar unto you. When we build an altar in our life, we have got to build it according not to just what everybody says, but it's got to be built according to the 66 books of the Bible. It's got to be built on the word of God. It says of Abraham and Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day 
that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. See, we wonder what's going on in our life, but we've got to step back and we've got to reconfigurate. Are we doing it and we lining up not to the preacher? We've got to line up to the word and we we line up to the word, everything will be added unto us that we ask. Verse 38 says, then the, verse 37, my bad. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and thou hast turned their heart back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell. And it consumed the sacrifice in the wood, in the stones, in the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces. They said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah took them, the prophets of Baal. Let every one of them, don't let any of them escape. And he took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook, and he slew every one of them. Sometimes we've got to slay some spirits in our own life. But sometimes we've got to rebuild the altar that God has placed in us but that's not my message my message is not building an altar my message is coming up in these next couple verses in verse 41 and Elijah said unto Ahab get thee up and drink for there is a sound of the abundance of rain Come on, in order to have fire, there's got to be something to put it out. And he said, get up, because I hear a sound of rain coming. And I've come to preach to you this morning, or this evening, just on a simple thing. It's time to go again. We can't stop doing what we're doing. It's time we go again. When we go and do outreach, it don't matter what happens back then. It's time to go again. We don't need to stop just coming on Wednesday or Tuesday night. We need to come again on Sunday. And he told him in verse 43 and he said to his servant go up now. Look toward the sea. And he went up and he looked and said there is nothing. And he said go again. It's time that the church adopts the mentality that we need to go again. It does not matter what the city has seen. It does not matter what people have heard. It's time as apostolic Holy Ghost filled believers that we rise from the ashes one more time in this last day and that we go into the field again. It's time that when we reach, we need to keep going. When we go, we don't need to stop I have found too many times in the Bible and in too many times in the church we always stop at halfway we stop you may be seated we stop 
because we didn't receive the healing today. We stopped because the church, when we did outreach, I'm so scared of the past. But let me tell you something. The past does not define the future of this church. It does not define the future of your ability in God. We are destined to reach. One of the greatest things we can do is reach our city. But we can never reach our city if we're scared of what they'll say. As I was in prayer, I asked an individual. The Lord dealt with me one Sunday night a couple weeks ago. I sat right over there. We was worshiping. I said, when do we flip the script? When do we quit worrying about what they think? Because I don't care what they think. I care what he thinks. And one thing I know that he cares about is when we go, he don't care what they've said. He laid on a cross for our affirmities. He laid at the cross for you and I's iniquities. He laid at the cross and at the Calvary for our healing. In Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, he said, Who shall believe the report? Come on. We fall subject to not going again. We fall subject to stopping at the halfway mark. We fall subject to saying, I'm scared. Pastor, you know what they said. I just don't know. Man, it's hard. You don't think it was hard when he stood in the midst of the garden and his brothers deceived him and sold him into uh, captivity. Uh, You don't think it was hard uh, for him uh, to go to a cross for you and I. uh, And you think it's hard uh, to go into the mission field. Uh, One thing I realized the other night when me and my wife was walking was one thing. I failed. The hardest part in ministry is realizing where we have failed in our city. I sat there and I walked with my wife the other night. We're walking around the city. And I'm talking about the glory days. I'm talking about when I was excited. I see revival coming. But it was the lost child syndrome that overshadowed what God wanted. Because I said, if I, why should I reach them when the church don't even care about me? Why should I care about a city that has persecuted me? And I, as I began to walk all over the city with my wife and the stupid cats was following us. The whole way. Darn things walked all over Crofton with us. Literally. You and I both, I was hoping they'd get lost. 
But I sat there. I was walking and I was seeing all these things that took place. And the Lord started to rebuke me. And said, why did you stop going again? It doesn't matter what the news has said. It doesn't matter what the world has said. It's what I say that matters. I'm the one that died for you, not them. It's me that's going to cause you to have judgment, not them. I sat there and I was bothered because the hardest thing for a church is to realize where we've messed up. And I sat there and I said, I make a promise in my head. I was looking at this big Ten Commandments thing that we established in Crofton in 2013. For one night, we had 487 people in the community at our service. For one night, we should have been able to reach the city. But we failed to reach because we was more worried about the gossip than we was the souls of the city. We was more worried about what they'll think versus we need to get them into an altar. We need to reach when we don't feel like reaching. We need to go when we don't feel like going. I looked back. I kept texting Lana to try to come into the bedroom with me. She wouldn't. So I took that time to pray. And I wept. Because it was a reflection of where I failed as a minister. Where I have been failing. Our ministry is not behind the pulpit. Our ministry is in the field. But how do I go when I can't see? How do I go and be the first? Why did Jesus go? This is hard, but it's true. So I made a promise that said, on my life, I'm going to go again. And when I go, I'm not going to stop reaching. I don't care about the rejection. I don't care about what they say. I don't care if I got to go into the darkest parts of Madisonville and pull them out from the needle that they're pushing in their arm. I don't care if I got to go into every trailer park and knock every door and they reject me. I don't care about that because what I care about is that we've got to go into the field again. We've got to go up the mountain one more time in order to receive the abundance of rain in order to receive the multitudes that God has placed on us we have got to go into Madisonville one more time what would happen if we went and someone showed up to church it would be worth the aching legs it'd be worth the door knocking it would be worth everything if we was to just reach one 
God dealt with me and said, there's power in one. But there's power in two. And there's power in three. But if I can just reach one that no church wants, oh, he'll send us the church that everybody wants. If I can reach the person that the churches around here has rejected, then God will send us the people that every church around here wants. Because let me tell you something, if we are willing to go again and sacrifice for that one, then he'll send us the ones that everybody wants, the ones that ain't afraid to pay their tithes. we've got to go one more time but how I need someone to help me who wants to help me because I, I I struggle to fight this but Christian you come here your wife's knocking at your door get those get that tie in that thing there I need somebody else too. Who wants to help? Nobody? Chuck, come here. Take your glasses off. The Lord spoke to me and said they won't go because there's no vision left in them. I said, what do you mean? He said they can't go because they don't see. They're complacent in where they're at. I said, huh, all right, I've been there. But we're fixing to get that out of the church. Because let me tell you something, that's no more than a Jezebel spirit. And let me tell you something, you've looked at somebody that has come to say, Jezebel, guess what? Jehu's on his way, and he's fixing to kick you out of your kingdom. God's not brought us this far, Brother Chuck, for us to not receive what he has for us. I want you to cover his eyes. His eyes. I want to make it to where he can't see anything. And this is what the church has adopted. Not this church. The church world in general. Has adopted the mentality that I can't go because I can't see. But that's the best part. We need to go regardless if we can see. Because faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. He said we walk by faith and not by sight. I said, okay, Lord, we're going to do this. But there's some people that are blinded to the vision. It's one thing for the ministry to have it. It's another when the one sitting in the pew has it. Because if I'm in the pew and I have the vision, I'm going to get up out of my seat. And when they're worshiping at the altar, I'm going to worship with them. 
And when I go to work, I'm going to tell my coworkers, uh, you missed a Holy Ghost service last night. Christian, can you see? You're blinded. You can't see nothing. But you can move your hands, can't you? Walk towards me. Keep on walking. This is what has happened to the church world. Stop. We've set ourselves and we've sold ourselves short. God says, walk and I'll ordain every footstep. Christian was walking. And if I would have never told him to stop, he would have ran into the altar. That's where some people need to run to. But what happens, come here, spin around. When God confuses you on the journey, you're walking. Go ahead and walk. Immediately, what's the very first instinct to do is to stop and reach. To protect yourself from falling. But sometimes we have got to fall back on the potter's wheel. For him to remold us and pick us back up to go again into the field one more time. Walk again. I tripped him. Why? Because there are stepping stones in our life that will trip us. But they're not meant to hurt you. But they're meant to retrain your mentality. Come here. Get that other thing, Brother Chuck. Put your arms behind your back. Now what happens when all your defenses are gone? You can't feel nothing. You can't see nothing. But God is telling you to go again one more time. Christian can't see his future. He can't feel his future. But let me tell you something. Everything that's in here can stop you from moving to your destiny. Because we may have questions that's unanswered. About our past. Our mentality has got to be, I'm willing to go when I can't see. I'm willing to go when I can't feel. Pull up Ezekiel, the 37th chapter. Begin at verse 1. That's good, Brother Chuck. I'll just hold him like this. Your wife's probably happy right now. Now she can take all your money. <laughs> Ezekiel, it says, And the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, there were very dry. 
And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Can I see the vision that we have cast for our city? Can I see that the ministry team, we've got a city that's very dry. They're very hurt because every apostolic church on every corner, their church hurts. But can you see what happens when we're walking? Okay, Christian. Can you see out towards Madisonville? Yeah, physically. (laughs) I know you can see it mentally. Can you see your future? But who holds your future? Where does your hope lie? In Jesus. But it's about time we speak life back into some dry bones. It's about time that we speak some life when we can't see the spirit, when we can't feel nothing, when we don't see nothing. And we feel all alone. And we feel bound up. Can this live? Christian, can you get out of that? Can you get out? But what happens when we're bound by our own infirmities? What happens when I can't see the vision of the church? What happens when I can't feel nothing and I can't break free? Can this live? Oh, Lord God, thou knowest. Can Madisonville see revival? Lord, thou knowest. Can the church receive this? Lord, thou knowest. Go to the next scripture, verse 4. Again, he said unto me, prophesy. Upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord these unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter unto you, and ye shall live. When I look, I can see it. But what happens when I can't see it? I can't speak this. But what happens when the Lord anoints your eyes with ISAB? All of a sudden, you can see again, but you're still holding back. But Lord, thou knowest my household is in disarray, my family won't come to church. But you're the spiritual provider of your house. If they're under your roof, they're under your role. But I can't see it because I don't want to hurt them. You ain't got to worry about that. You keep being mama and you keep being daddy. And God said, I'm fixing to slip the blinders off. 
I'm fixing to take the hurt away. And all of a sudden, they'll be able to see and you'll be able to go one more time. Now, Christian, walk towards Brother Chuck. It's easy for him to walk and not be scared. It's easier for him. Come on back to me. He knows where he's going now. Sometimes we feel we don't know where God has taken us. We don't know why we're going there. But it's not meant for us to know. It's not meant for you to know what job you'll have next. What's meant for you to know is that your trust is in him. You don't control nothing. You don't have power over yourself. You have got to rely 100% on him. I don't know where the next dollar is coming from, but I know who supplies the dollar. Just ask the writer in the Bible. He needed to pay taxes. He went out and caught a fish. And in that fish's mouth was the money to pay the taxes. And you tell me God can't supply? But we've got to go one more time. We cannot rely on yesterday's blessing when we've got to rely on today's miracle. I know this is a little different, and I normally don't preach like this, I promise. But we've got to realize, we've got to take the blinders off our eyes. Just because you didn't receive the Holy Ghost the first time doesn't mean you stop. you got to keep going. Just because your finances are a little bit in disarray doesn't mean you stop working. you still got to work. We're doing all this, but we're still bound. Brother Chuck, I can't do outreach because of COVID. But let me tell you something. We cannot not do outreach. We cannot not reach the lost. Why? Because if we won't reach them and bring them to truth... Let me tell you something. There's some churches that have false doctrine that are willing to go into the field and reach them. And they're going to compel them anyway. We have the greatest message that has ever been preached. We have sound doctrine. And we hide it in the four walls of our, our churches. Why? Because we're bound by rejection. We're bound because there's so many people hurt by churches. And it's not hurt by God. It's hurt by the church. The church is not bricks and mortar. The church is people. When we go out and they sell us, well, I can't go to that church because then you. Let me tell you something. You cannot not go to my church. Why? Have you heard what God is doing? Have you heard of the baptisms? Have you heard about the miracles? Have you heard about the polyps falling off the ladies? Have you heard about the victories in people's life? God has placed us in areas not to be quiet, but to shout 
and speak to a city that is dry. What do you mean it's dry? Because they've heard it so long. They've heard it so long, Brother Chuck, that they can't see it no more. And the devil has creeped into the apostolic church and has adopted the mentality that I just can't reach. If they're meant to be here, God will send them. I'm going to sit on a pew. If they're meant to be here, the preacher will do something. If they're meant to reach, the pastor will do something. Let me tell you something. The Bible says that sheep begat sheep. It was never the priesthood that reached the people. It was the ones in the pew that said, I'm not satisfied with just this neighbor. I'm not satisfied with just this person. I've got to reach everybody and I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop going again because if we stop, the minute we stop, we have adopted the mentality that there's no more message to preach. The moment we stop, we're telling the world that there's no more message. But it doesn't just stop there. It creeps into the ministry. And now the singers, some preachers, they're bound. I can't see it. We live in a society that has adopted the microwave mentality. I've got to press a button and it's got to happen today. But let me tell you something. Before the bones would ever come back together, he had to see it. He had to physically go there. And he had to prophesy to the bones to live again. When are we going to rise up and prophesy to ourselves? Because we're dry. Brother Joel, what do, you, what do you mean we're dry? When the Spirit of God is moving like it was earlier, there should have not been one person sitting in a pew. The Spirit of God was so strong, I could have ran through that wall. It probably would have hurt Brother Chuck, but by God, I didn't know if I should run, jump, shout, roll. And I just stood there and said, Lord, I just overflow me. When the Spirit of God is that strong and you want true deliverance, you've got to go again when you don't feel like it, honey. You've got to go to the altar when you don't feel like it. But this is what we are. Turn around. Is we're still bound. But we're saying we're free. So I prophesied unto Madisonville. And I was commanded and I prophesied. And there was a noise. And behold a shaking. And the bones came together. Bone to his bone. 
And when I beheld, lo, the Sus, that means flesh, that means muscle, and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was still no breath in them. But God is speaking to us to go again one more time. Because it's not just finished with them standing in a great multitude uh, in very good formation, uh, ready to march. You cannot reach uh, if you don't have the breath of God in you. So what happens? When he prophesied, the bones... And all the struggles and all the pain of your life begin to come off. The city that's dry become back to life. And all of a sudden, Brother Christian can now take the very thing that was blinding him and take it off of him. Just like when he spoke to the man, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And when he came out of the cave that was holding him, he was blinded and bound. But he said, loose him and set him free. It's time that we speak to ourselves and we go into the city again and we prophesy unto the city of Madisonville. And we're going to go again, Brother Chuck. And when I beheld, lo, go to the next verse. Then said unto me, prophesy unto the winds. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon the slain, that they may live. It's time that we rise up again and we say, I don't care what battle I have fought. I don't care what trouble is coming my way. I will live again. And when I go again, I will reach this city. Too many times we're scared. We're scared of the outcome because we don't see it. I don't got to see it to believe it. You're looking at somebody that I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't hear what I hear. I was born deaf. I was four years old before I could hear. I got all the documentation. Pittsburgh Hospital. I was born deaf. I remember as a little child, they'd take pots and pans and bang them behind my ears. And I would just look. I couldn't hear nothing. But let me tell you something. We wasn't large in number. But there was some old-fashioned preachers. That said, if this is of God, bring him up. Call upon the elders of the church. We're fixing to anoint some things. But the miracle didn't happen then. 
they prophesied. And they had Holy Ghost service. They was in the midst, like the poor Bethesda, being turned. But the miracle didn't happen there. A few weeks later, we was at our Christian school. Because the church was up on the hill, and right below we had 75 kids in the Christian school. All of a sudden, I'll never forget this day, I'm in the lower level, my grandmother cooking popcorn. And all the kids upstairs would get mad because they knew if Sister Boyd was coming down, she was going to have candied apples, popcorn for all the kids in kindergarten. I miss those days. All of a sudden, we all go upstairs, and there's an old bookshelf on the corner. I'll never forget this. They had a little play area there. It was all family. My grandmother was the teacher. My dad was the principal. So if you done wrong, you got whipped by everybody. My grandmother couldn't do it. My mom done it. If she didn't, dad didn't. If she didn't, I had my Aunt Tina do it. So it was just trouble all around. But the miracle didn't happen then. It didn't happen when, they got, when I got prayed for. But it happened in the most unexpected time. Because sometimes God will do the unexpected to see if you were still listening, if you were still looking. And all of a sudden, I'll never forget it. I'm not going to try to sit down. I might rip my pants. Um, I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, one of the older kids climbed up on the bookshelf and went to grab a book. And one fell down. I mean, it hit hard. But it was a different sound this time. It wasn't any just sound like that. It was the sound of heaven. Because at that moment, I remember jumping up and turning around. Because it scared me. I wasn't facing the bookshelf, but when I heard the sound, I was turning in that direction. It's time that we tell the people. It's time to turn into the direction of the church. It's time to turn into the direction of the city. It's time to turn in the direction of the abundance of rain that is coming into this house. I don't know about you, but it's time to go again one last time because that one last time just may be the time that you receive your financial blessing you receive your healing you receive victory no matter what it is but you got to go one more time let me tell you something revival broke out it was blasted all over Connellsville and Uniontown. A four-year-old boy healed in Dunbar, Pennsylvania. The doctors couldn't explain it. My mom and dad couldn't explain it. But all they could say is that there was a sound from heaven that was coming. And it shook the very foundations of that school that day. And let me tell you something. I'll never forget it. They was dancing and shouting and speaking in other tongues. And I remember being told run back and forth. Uh, can you hear me? But we could hear again. As they want to come to the music, let us all stand. I want to ask one question. 
Are you ready to go again? Even when you can't see the destination, even when you can't see the victory, even when you're broken. But the Bible says, come to him with a broken and contrite heart. And he will give you rest. He will give you peace. Don't be scared to go one more time. But when we go again, when you go to work tomorrow, don't be scared about what they've heard. Tell them about the things they've not heard. And let me tell you something. The things that they've not heard will outweigh the things they have heard. We don't need to be afraid today. God is asking us to go one more time. It ain't up to our ministry team to do all the work. It's us to us. The laborers. The harvest is full. But the laborers are few. I don't care what I got to do. I don't know Madisonville. But I know what God showed me. Madisonville wants revival. But they don't want revival of yesteryear. Because the revival of yesteryear is what has hurt them, Pastor. Because people were not truly in revival. They were in themselves. But if we would adopt the mentality that the revival that's coming to our church is different than any revival that has come across this city then we will begin to understand that we can walk when we're blind we can walk when we can't feel if we'll do that he'll meet us there and when he meets you there you'll get your blessing but the blessing's not going to come if you keep stopping along the journey. The hardest time is realizing I had a self-reflection of where I messed up. I talked to Sister Kim a little bit about it Sunday night, and I was troubled. I have the greatest message ever preached inside of me, and I want to hold it to myself. An individual, and I'm almost done, spoke to me today over off Allen Road in Clarksville, Tennessee. He said, I'm going to die. His name's Barry. He said, you're going to die. What do you mean you're going to die? I'm, very, I'm a very direct person. You don't just tell me that. I need to know more. He said, the doctors told me there's no hope. I got some poisoning when I was over in Afghanistan. I'm going to die. He said, I've lived a good life. I've been to 131 countries. And I've drank beer in every one of them. I'm excited. I'm happy. I've lived. It broke my heart. I sat there. Blake said, call me. He said, I've never certainly seen anybody say they're, they're ready to die. I said, I hate death. It's going to come to us all. But I'm, I don't want to go today. 
He said, but that's not That's not what bothered me. I said, Blake, he don't even know Jesus. I told Barry, I said, Barry, do you go to church? He said, no, I've never been into that. I said, well, Barry, you, you've known me for some quite time. You better know who Jesus is. I said, if you leave this world, Barry, and you don't know God, you're, you're, you're headed to hell. He just stood there and looked at me. I said, I've never thought of it like that. When are we going to start telling people? If you leave this world, where are you going? And the Lord spoke to me, Brother Matt. Go again and tell him. Go again. And I made a promise that I'm going to do whatever I can to reach this lost world because I'm not satisfied with where I have failed as a minister. If you want to help, why don't you raise your hands towards heaven? We need to get our burden back. We need to reach again one more time And we need to go to the ones that are hurt one more time. The hardest person to reach in church is not someone that don't know nothing about it. It's the ones that were hurt by it. But if you're ready to go again one more time, would you make your way up front and let's just worship God. Thanks for taking the time to take in today's program. This is a media ministry outreach of Truth Apostolic Church in Madisonville, Kentucky. For more information about our ministry, visit our website. We're doing it. We're trying our best. Praise God to put it all out. Amen. Out there on every platform we possibly can. Hallelujah. And I'm glad because the world, hallelujah, amen, needs to know that what I have, amen, is being filled with the Spirit, amen, can change their life.